So, good morning, everyone. According to the World Population Counter, there are approximately 7.5 billion people in the world. The UK has 65.5 million people. London alone has 10.5 million people. The London borough of Sutton, so the borough that we live in right now, has approximately 41,400 people. In the Bible, there's approximately 3,000 people named. And in our church today, River Church Sutton, there's around about 150 of us here. So why talk about people? It's because God loves people. He loves working with people, and he loves working through people. And the Bible is full of stories about people. So people who are ordinary, men, women, with jobs, without jobs, people living ordinary lives. Farmers, shepherds, fishermen, people in government, people who made mistakes, people who sinned, people who had nothing going for them, people who had everything going for them. Successful people, rich people, poor people. Why? Because God loves people. He loves working with people and through people. And our missional series is no different. So we've been journeying through the book of Acts, reading just about how uh, ordinary people are spreading the good news of Jesus. And if you're a visitor here today, or perhaps you haven't been able to join us for the past few weeks, as a church, we've been learning to experience what it truly means to live out a missional life. So Acts, the book of Acts, was written by a guy called Luke in 64 AD. And Luke was an ordinary man. He was a doctor. And it starts with the words in Acts 1 verse 8. These are Jesus' words. It says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And the book of Acts documents the birth of the early church. And it happened through people. People who received power and boldness from the Holy Spirit to live out their faith to witness Jesus. Now those of us who are familiar with church will know that the book of Acts is quite encouraging to read. It's quite exciting. Read about these amazing people doing incredible things. Last year, towards the end of last year, we uh, went through a series, it was called Dynamic, where we looked at the first kind of eight uh, chapters of Acts. And we read about people who were growing in their authority, and their boldness, power, faith, and the holiness, and life. You know, people who did amazing miracles and healings. I mean, someone was even healed in Peter's shadow. I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Imagine you're ill, cold, or flu, or perhaps a terminal illness, and someone's shadow just walks over you, and you're instantly healed. It's amazing. That's not church, is it? Or is it? Are we any different? Are we any different to the ordinary heroes of Acts? No, God changes the world through ordinary people. He's not looking for extraordinary people. He's not looking for people who have uh, any experience or qualifications. You know, there's no kind of standard that you need to meet for it to be used by God. He's looking for people who need his help. People who recognize that they are weak. And as we read Acts 18, 
We're going to read about people who are driven by the gospel message. I'm going to read about people who are driven for gospel mission. So if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn to Acts 18? Now, Acts 18 has 28 verses. We're not going to be reading all 28 verses, but we are going to be working our way through it. I'm going to be reading from a New Living Translation. So Acts 18 starts like this. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. Each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go and preach to the Gentiles. Then he left and went to the home of Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshipped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptised. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. We're just going to jump to verse 17. The crowd then grabbed Sosthenes. Now this, Paul has just been dragged to, uh, to a courtroom, and the, uh, the judge of a courtroom, a guy called Gallio, has uh, just kind of sort of dismissed the case. He doesn't want to have uh, anything to do with uh, this kind of sort of this nonsense that Paul's been uh, uh, involved in. So we'll pick it up in verse 17. The crowd then grabbed Sosthenes, the leader of a synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Gallio paid no attention. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby Centria. There he shaved his head according to Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. We'll just jump to verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord. And he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he only knew about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there... He proved to be of great benefit to those by God, who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. 
So Acts 18 starts uh, with Paul. So we pick up the story. This is Corinth. Uh, it's 50 AD. And this is Paul's second missionary journey. Now, as I said at the beginning, God loves people, and he loves working with them, and he loves working through people. And in this passage alone, there are about 10 people who are mentioned. But this morning, we're just going to focus on a few of them. We're going to start with Paul. So Paul began life as a guy called Saul. He experienced a radical conversion to Christ. And from the moment he was saved, he began preaching about Jesus. This man was radically reformed. He was completely convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. He was committed to sharing the gospel. Firstly, every Sabbath, as we've just read, and then as, Paul and si- as Timothy and Silas join him, he's then preaching every day. I mean, this man could not stop talking about Jesus. You know, he traveled everywhere, and wherever he went, he planted a church. You know, he was completely convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, this man was driven by the gospel message. And how has he been driven for gospel mission? Well, he went on to write 13 books of the New Testament. Romans 1 verse 1 starts with this. This letter is from Paul. 1 Corinthians 1 and Galatians 1 verse 1 start the same. This letter is from Paul. And who's he writing to? He's writing to people, isn't he? He's writing to churches. You know, Paul wasn't married. He was single. So those of us who are married here this morning might be thinking, well, of course he can go on and plant all these churches and write 13 books of the New Testament. Because he was single. He wasn't married. He had no wife. He had no kids. As far as we're concerned, he's got no responsibilities. But if you're single here this morning, I think God just wants to say to you that he values you. He values singleness. You know, there's so much pressure in Christian circles nowadays. Uh, single people face these, like, these daily battles or these constant questions like, oh, you're not married yet? Or when are you going to tie the knot? Or when will you settle down with a nice person, a nice man or a nice woman? You know, even before I was married... This may be a shock to you, but I was single as well. <laughs> and I faced the same daily battles, the same constant like, questions. People coming up to me saying, you know, like, when, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to find yourself a nice wife? Even, even going, to, uh, going to a wedding and the couple that had just been married were just like, oh, so when is it your turn? You, know, you, just, you just can't you know, escape from these kind of questions. But I think God wants to say to you this morning, if you're a single person here today, he loves you and he values you. He values singleness. You know, he wasn't a full-time church leader either. Paul had a secular job. Acts 18 verse 3 says, Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. You know, we complain about our work a lot, don't we? We like to have a good old moan or a good old rant about our work or about our jobs. You know, who here is looking forward to Monday morning? None of us, probably. But our work is quite often the place where God uses us the most. We kind of forget that actually work is an important part of our ministry. 
And when we think of the word ministry, we kind of think, oh, church, like worship or, or preaching or kids or welcome or teas and coffees, whatever it may be. But actually, like our work is our mission ground too. You know, what if Jesus was at your work? What if he was there? I'd be in work every day. I'd want to be in work every day just to see him. But the truth is, he is. Because for each and every one of us, every one of us are in Christ. And we all carry the spirit of Jesus within us. So whether we're here in church or whether we're at work, Jesus is with us all the time. And you can get paid for serving God through your work. I think some of us just need to uh, go to work with God more. I'll move on. Aquila and Priscilla. Now, Aquila was a Jew. And Priscilla, her name comes from the word Prisca, which is a Roman name. And they're married. A married couple. And they kicked out of their home country when Claudius Caesar deported them. Uh, deported all Jews from Rome. So what do they do? Well, they quickly settled in Corinth, don't they? And they go straight to work. And they employed Paul. And they stayed with Paul for 18 months. And then 18 months later, they went to Ephesus and devoted themselves to God. So how have this married couple driven for gospel mission? Romans 16 verse 3 says, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila. My co-workers in the ministry. Romans 16, verse 5, two verses later. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. The churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla, and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. Even in 2 Timothy 4, verse 19. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila. You know, this is a married couple. All throughout the Bible, they're always mentioned together. You never find where they're mentioned separately. And I think God is saying here that he not only values singleness, but he also values marriage as well. You know, husbands, you're on mission with your wives. And wives, you're on mission with your husbands. And if you're a married couple here today, God, God values you. He has a part for both of you to play. Priscilla and Aquila, I call them deported rejects. They're unwanted by their home country. They're kicked out for being Jews. Now let's take a minute and just think about this for a second. How would you be feeling if you were kicked out of your home country? You know, if the government said tomorrow, we're deporting all Christians... How would you feel? You know, to be rejected by your home country. Everything you've known because of your faith. Just take a minute and think, what would it mean for you? For me, I know it'd be my, uh, not seeing my mum, not seeing my brother, dad, sister, her fiancé, nieces, nephews, friends, work colleagues, Work, my neighbours. I wonder if any of us, any of us, would be tempted to deny Jesus for the sake of uh, not losing all of those people, all those things. 
lose our house, our home as well? How would you feel? It's quite sobering, isn't it? But what's sobering for me as well is the amount of unsaved people I have in my life. For Aquila and Priscilla, the cost of denying their faith was nothing in comparison to the cost that Jesus paid for them on the cross. Here is a couple that are driven by the gospel message and driven for gospel mission. Moving on, we'll look at Timothy. So Timothy was young. In Acts 16, it refers to him as a young disciple. His mum was a Jew and his dad was Greek. And he was well thought of by the believers. And Paul wanted Timothy to join him in ministry. So what did he do? He tagged along. He then got involved with serving. Romans 16, verse 21. Timothy, my fellow co-worker in Christ, sends you his greetings. So how is Timothy, this young man, uh, driven for a gospel mission? Well, Paul mentored him. And not only did he go on and own a ministry, he's then entrusted to lead a church. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favourable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, Paul writes, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Now, if you're a young person here today, perhaps in the youth or in your 20s and 30s, I think God just wants to say he values you. You are essential to his plan. You know, he loves working with young people. You know, in a world that can uh, disqualify you because of your age, God says, no, you are qualified, and it's through my son Jesus. We'll move on. Titius Justus. He's a Gentile. He worshipped God. And he opened up his home to Paul. Now, Paul was opposed and insulted in the synagogue. And yet this man opened his home to him. You know, in a whole of the Bible, he's only mentioned in this one verse. And all he does is open up his home. And when we read Acts 18, we can quickly kind of sort of lose sight of the fact that this guy has any kind of relevance because he's only given one verse. But God says, no, no, this man is key to my mission. If all you have is a home, perhaps, perhaps you're retired, perhaps you're ill, perhaps you just struggle to get out of the house. You have a home that you can open up to people. You know, Paul wasn't welcome in a synagogue, and yet he was welcomed in a home of Titius Justice. Sosthenes, this poor man, is a synagogue leader and he's beaten up for no apparent reason. But 1 Corinthians 1 verse 1 tells us what happens to him. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother, Sosthenes. So this, this beaten up, 
a synagogue leader, is now a brother in Christ. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or what your past is. You know, whether you were the leader of another faith, whether you believed in another faith, perhaps you've been abused or beaten up like Sosthenes. I think God just wants to say that he values you. You are essential to his mission. And he wants to work with you. Apollos. I've called him the super refuter. He was a Jew. And he was eloquent. An eloquent speaker. The Bible says he was intelligent. He was learned. That he knew the scriptures well. He was full of enthusiasm and fervor. But his understanding of the scriptures was good. But in Acts 18, verse 24, we read that actually they needed brushing up a bit. Yet four verses later in Acts 18, verse 28, during a time where he's, met, uh, uh, he's working alongside Priscilla and Aquila, we read this about him. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate, using the scriptures he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, this man is a changed man. In verse 24, we read that he was a Jew. And yet, four verses later, after Priscilla and Aquila correct his understanding of the Scriptures, here he is, refuting the very people of the very religion that he once believed in. I mean, this man has been transformed. You know, he's not only had his understanding of the scriptures changed, he's had his understanding of Jesus changed. So what happens to him? Well, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5 says this, After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants for whom you believe for good news. Titus 3, verse 13 says, Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos with their trip. So he's gone on mission. He's a man who is driven by the message of the gospel and driven for, for gospel mission. So what's so special about all these people up here? They're men, they're women, Jews, Gentiles, young, old, had no home, had a home. These are ordinary people. We've actually got quite a mixed bag of people up here. But do you know what this speaks to me about? It speaks to me about diversity. Actually, they're no different to us. It also speaks to me about unity as well. Because despite being so different and coming from different backgrounds, like us, the one thing they have in common is Jesus. That's what they have in common. You know, church, this is, this is how the early church grew. In fact, this is like River Church Sutton just 2,000 years ago. You know, God loves working with people through people and with people. 
But there's a challenge here. He's looking for people who are driven for Jesus. He's looking for people who are passionate about Jesus. You know, these ordinary heroes of Acts 18 are no different to the ordinary heroes I see sitting in the chairs in front of me. You know, we're all men, women, single, married, young, old, homeowners, homeless, from different backgrounds, different upbringings. But that is how the early church grew. Acts 2, verse 41, says, Those who believed what Peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 people in all. 3,000 people in a day. Man, how amazing is that? And what was Peter doing? Sharing about Jesus. You know, if we all shared the gospel with at least one person a day, for the next five days. And they then went on to speak to people or share the gospel with others. We'd reach that number in five days. We'd reach about 3,000 people. You know, it'd be chaos in there, wouldn't it? Imagine 3,000 people in this hall. You know, revival would come, wouldn't it? We'd be meeting in the sports hall as well. Probably meeting out in a car park on the streets. We'd have to raise leaders rapidly. We'd have to go multi-service. We'd have to go multi-venue. We'd have to plan out in like Hackbridge or Mitcham or Morden or Epsom. And yet it's taken us how long to reach 150 people? Now something has seriously gone astray here. But it's not God. Church, God is looking for people who are driven by the gospel, driven by the message of Jesus, and driven to spreading the good news of Jesus with others. So how can we be driven by the gospel message for gospel mission? Gospel message? Just read your Bible. It sounds so easy to say. But read it. Just read the word of God. It's living. It's truth. You know, Rob preached last week on what was truth. This is the truth. It is living. It is alive. It keeps us on the straight and narrow. God speaks to us through his word. He uses his, his word to, uh, to reveal to us more about who he is by who, who Jesus is, by his character. And it is, it is sometimes hard to read this. I myself have struggled, particularly when it comes to the harder books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. But if, if we just get stuck in, albeit just one verse a day, at least we're feeding ourselves more than what we were before. So how can we be driven for gospel mission? Oh, we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 8 says, You'll receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. You know, Jesus hasn't left us alone. He's given us his spirit. He's here with us now by his spirit. We need to embrace it. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Church, it's just word and spirit. So I want to challenge us all today. Because I myself have been challenged by this. I want to ask you all, are we completely convinced that Jesus is our Messiah? Are we completely convinced that Jesus died for us and he was risen and he's given us life? Now, do you know just how much Jesus has done for you? Do you share the gospel with others? Or are you sharing the gospel of yourself? If you're a single person like Paul, do you value your singleness? If you're married like Aquila and Priscilla, do you value your mission with your spouse? Do you view your job as an opportunity to work with God? Do you pray for your work? If all you have is your home, are you opening up to people to further God's mission? If you've been beaten up or been abused like Sosthenes, how much of that past are you willing to deal with or let go of through the one who dealt with your abuse and dealt with your pain? when he was abused and beaten up himself by his sacrifice on the cross for you. I want to ask, how much experience of Christian faith, how much experience of Christian leadership, Christian service is in this room today? You know, those of you who are older, perhaps wanted to relax a bit, take a bit of a back seat, Have you considered sharing your experience with someone younger, like Priscilla and Aquila? Have you thought that you can give the benefit of your skills and your experience and faith to someone younger as a Christian, or perhaps growing up as a leader? Now, the gospel is absolutely vital to being missional. There's this quote from John Piper. It says this, You never, never, never outgrow your need for it. Don't ever think of the gospel as the way you get saved and then you get strong by leaving it and doing something else. No, we are strengthened by God through the gospel every day till the day we drop. You never outgrow the need to preach the gospel to yourself. Now, church, we need to understand the gospel. We need to understand who we are in Christ. We need to understand what Jesus has done for us. But and the key is, how great is Jesus? We need to change our mindset. It's no longer is, how great am I? How great is Jesus? You know, there's one thing looking at the mess we're in, but there's another looking at the Lord, or looking at the one who is Lord over the mess that we're in. 
And that's the kind of attitude we need when we come to different circumstances or different situations. You know, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit enable us to overpower the combined forces of sin, of law, and our old self put together. You know, being missional is scary, but we can be victorious in this because Jesus himself has the victory. I feel like this has been a bit of a hard word, hard word this morning, actually. But it's quite challenging. If you think that you're not good enough for God to work through, think again. Here are some examples. Noah, Genesis 9, verse 20 to 21. When the flood receded... What did he do? He went out and planted a vineyard, drank some wine, got drunk and sat naked in his tent. You know, Abraham, he was too old. Jacob was a liar. Joseph, he was abused. Gideon was afraid. Samson, he had long hair and he was a womanizer. Rahab, just leave that one there with you. Jeremiah and Timothy, they thought they were too young. David, a man after God's own heart, he was an adulterer and he was a murderer. Jonah, he ran away from God. Naomi was a widow. Probably the weirdest one, John the Baptist. He ate bugs. And Peter, well, Peter denied Christ. Yet all of these people were given a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. Why? Because God loves people. He loves working with people and through people. And no matter who you are or what you are, where you are, I feel like God wants to work with you. I'll have the band back up, please. You know, church, we're no different to the ordinary heroes of Acts. We've seen that already. We're just like them. We're a mixed bag of people, aren't we? But the one thing that does unite us it is Jesus. He is the one who has united us. He is the one who uh, deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. He's the one who um, is worth worshiping. He's the one worth working alongside, isn't he? He's victorious. It doesn't matter how, uh, how fearful you are, how unqualified you might be. He wants to work with you. That's why we're going through this series, this missional series. It's all about being missional, spreading the good news of Christ Jesus, seeing people saved, seeing the broken healed, seeing healings. 
Do we want to see the church grow? Do we want to see people come to Christ? Do we want to see uh, healings? Do we want to see uh, change? I do. But we need to uh, develop our understanding of Jesus much better. You know, all of us here are in Christ. We're in Christ Jesus. We are victorious. Why? Because he has won the victory for us. And it doesn't matter what, what kind of lies has been spoken over you, what thoughts you may be thinking right now. But Jesus, Jesus speaks so much truth. He speaks so much truth over you. I feel we should go into worship. Let's stand. Before, before we do go into worship, actually, I'd like to invite people to come up and respond. There's quite a lot of words uh, being brought this morning about um, uh, just God just wanting to, to work with us, about who we see ourselves, our identity, the fact that he's an overcomer in our circumstances. And as we worship, I just want to invite people just to come and just, just worship God wholeheartedly. Come and know who Jesus really is. Let's worship. <laughs>